The Mike is Always Right podcast is officially approved by the Ministry of Disinformation. We we are pa- Pablo for real. We're we're not we're not we're never going to be. I'll just hit the music, buddy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Mike is Always Right podcast. I am your host, Mike, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I am filled with something that I probably haven't been filled with in a while. No, not tacos, not Greek food, even though I did have a really good meal at the Naughty Greek. If you've never been there in the Minneapolis-St. Paul region, the place is legit. I love it. Uh, Their euros are amazing. No, what I am filled with is I am filled with hope. And um, this is going to be probably a a difficult yet a fun episode um, because it is going to cause some people's minds to explode. It's going to cause some people to really, really, really think. And it's going to cause other people to just dismiss it as heresy and craziness. So the title of today's episode, and we're going to get right into it, is Will the Red Wave Miss Wisconsin? And just to give a little bit of background, I want to give some opinions, I want to give some thoughts on the events that I actually got to be a part of over the last several weeks. So I was very, very fortunate. And let me just tell you this, every time I get invited someplace to either speak, to MC, to moderate, to do anything that has to deal with the public, I am incredibly honored. Um, I enjoy getting out. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy the back and forth, the talking that uh, I get to do with people and pick their brains. I love to hear different political candidates. Um, It's just something that that makes me tick. I do watch more left-leaning television shows and do read left-leaning periodicals, even though I don't particularly support their ideals. But I'm always trying to listen to both sides. And getting out and speaking to some of the people and being able to hear some of the local candidates here in the state of Wisconsin has been really amazing for me. But I will say this. I think this is my opinion. I think we're in danger of missing that red wave. There are numerous, numerous, numerous congressional delegates in in Congress that are retiring, uh, numerous Democrats that are retiring. There is a just amazing uh, incompetence of the Biden administration that is pushing America towards the brink. And, And I think the same vitriol that people had on the left in 2020. So people on the left in 2020 would have literally done the old Clint Eastwood voting for the chair, like the empty chair. They would have voted for anybody not named Trump. Uh, I think that's a very interesting thing to look at when you consider so many of the people on the left sat out the election of 2016 because Bernie didn't get chosen. So now you you have this um, basic vitriol within the electorate and they're pissed and they're ready to literally vote 
for anything that has solutions, anything that can provide real world um, fixes. And when I say fixes, what I'm talking about is policies centered around um, inflation and how our inflation is taking off. We just saw a GDP numbers for, I believe it was the month of April. No, it would have been for March. It would have been for March release that said that we had a net loss in our GDP. Now, pop quiz most folks don't understand this or know this but if you do more than two months of that two successive months that's considered recession and so we're heading on towards recession and for many many people that recession started uh about a year and a half ago i mean if you were somebody who was getting ready to go to work on the keystone pipeline or if you were somebody who was getting ready to go into the permian basin or the bakken and and do some work a lot of that has dried up as as a result of the energy uh, tactics and and policies, I won't even say their policies, that the administration currently has at this moment. So people are looking for answers. How are you going to help us with inflation? How are you going to help us with high gas prices? How are you going to help us feel safe in our own homes again? You look at cities like Milwaukee, you look at cities like Chicago and San Francisco and Seattle, you just keep naming Harris County, uh, Houston, Texas, Dallas, all of these different different places, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, where the murder rates are just going through the roof. You look at having over 100 police officers die in the line of duty. Uh, I'm sorry, 49 in the line of duty, 101 shot uh, as of the time of this recording. And people are really struggling with their safety, how they feel safe, how they are living their lives and not being able to live their lives, obviously, if they're caught in a gangbang crossfire and people are shooting and killing folks. So inflation, high gas prices, crime, uh, just today, there was a leaked memo from the Supreme Court talking about overturning Roe versus Wade, and the left has gone absolutely crazy. Within literally 25 minutes of that leak being made, and, and basically the nuts and bolts of it is, you know, we need to return this back to the states, okay? Within 25 minutes, all the folks on the left, the squad, Schumer, Pelosi, everybody, and, and, and Biden are starting to say, well, we, we need to, to get rid of the filibuster. We need to go ahead and make abortion law. And that, wait, wait, it isn't law? No, it's a legal opinion that is cited when we talk about the abortion issue. It is not law. And so they're, they're already fundraising on this. They're already talking about eliminating the, the filibuster. They're already talking about packing the Supreme Court so that we can overturn all of this stuff and go forward. And what I have experienced over the last several weeks in doing these events is that there is a hunger. There is a palpable hunger and there is a lot of anger. And I can tell you this, um, I have lived an angry life for a very long time. I still very, very much combat uh, the anger demons inside of me, trying to make sure I respond appropriately, trying to ensure that I am measured, trying to make sure that I am thinking clearly. And I can say this, one of the main reasons why I think that the red wave could miss Wisconsin is due to the outrage and anger that not only people are feeling, but that candidates are actively stoking.
And so I want to unpack that for a moment because anger, when you have it, anger, when it's in you, anger, when you it's allowing you to guide your decisions it, it is something that literally nobody wins on because your head is clouded, you're thinking emotionally, and you're not thinking with any sort of rationale or logic. I have been there before, I have done that before, and I can tell you that I will probably do it again because I am human and I make mistakes. The palpable anger that I felt, and specifically when it comes to the 2020 election, was amazing to me. I was not um, I was not in Wisconsin during 2016. I voted absentee. I've said this story multiple times. My, my residence was Texas. I voted absentee ballot in 2016. I went to the polls and voted in Wisconsin in 2020. And there are so many people that are angry because of the results. And their anger from the results always comes back to the fraud and decertification issue. Anger will cloud your judgment. Anger will cause you to really be off your game. These are good, God-fearing, patriot, America-loving people, but they're angry. And the one reason, one of the reasons why I think that the red wave could miss the state of Wisconsin is because of that anger. And somebody that stands up and says, oh, we're going to decertify the election. Okay, um, let's talk more about that because I'm hearing a lot of different things and all I'm going to do is present to you what I'm hearing. What then? You, you decertify. So I've heard it a couple of different ways. Number one from the decertification camp or the people that believe this, they say, well, you decertify, you take back your electoral votes and um, it's, it's mostly symbolic. It's not going to um, put 45 back in office, but uh, we, you know, we have to send a message that fraud won't stand. Okay. I get it. Uh, it act, that makes sense, but it is still very a symbolic thing. It is symbolic in nature, and it doesn't hold any water. It doesn't hold any practical steps besides making you feel better about a perceived wrong that happened uh, almost two years ago. Okay, so so I, I I've seen people on that side of the fence. I've seen people on the side of the fence for decertification that says, "Well, here's what we'll do: we'll decertify, and then uh, Arizona will decertify, and then uh, we'll get we'll get Georgia to decertify, and pretty soon the entire election goes back to the House of Representatives, and then the House of Representatives, and 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 then and then the military will take over, and and, and it, it, what? And they and they and they put four to five back." What? So does is is it just this whole thing where okay you guys are out these guys are in? And and, and I question that rationale and I question that logic because to its nth degree where does it take us? You need to be really really sure folks when you start talking about things and you start staking entire election claims on them. And one of the most interesting things that I heard that I'm going to be honest with you, Mike is always right, but Mike does not have all the answers, okay? I heard an amazing thought process this week that when I really stepped back and removed myself from the process, I said, that makes sense. 
And it was one of the candidates that was up and he was talking and, and he was talking about uh, decertification. And here's what he said. Hey, listen, folks, if we decertify now, we are going to set a dangerous precedent. Because as soon as a Republican candidate wins in 2024, what do you think the drumbeat will be then? Oh, I thought to myself, wow. You know, the main thing that happens when you change the rules of the game during the middle of the game, everybody loses. And I know, and I will admit, there, there, there was fraud. There was um, a lot of fraud. But I always come back to this. There has been fraud in every election that we have ever had. If you think for a single moment that there is a free and fair election that we are going to have where every single vote is counted and just those, you are fooling yourself. The mainstream media has been in bed with the Democratic Party since well before the 1970s. When you look at a historical precedence like the uh, debate, the, the first televised debate that they had between Kennedy and Nixon in, uh, I believe it was 1960, you look at that debate. The Kennedy boys had worked very, very close closely with the production company that was actually um, shooting and producing that debate. They made sure they understood what the colors were, okay? They made sure that they understood what the camera angles were going to be, how things were going to look. They purposely told the Nixon campaign, no, listen, we're not dressing up, we're not going to wear makeup, we're not going to do all that. And then come the day of, Johnny's looking spiffy and Tricky Dick is not. The mainstream media has been in bed and they have been helping to defraud and throw elections for years. The only thing that I will say is this. In 2016, they got it so wrong because of the people and the organization of the people. In 2020, my sincerest belief is that while you had fraud, you had a country that was ready for change they were ripe for change. They were tired. They were tired of the pandemic. They were tired of all of the stuff going on and the impeachment. The mainstream media and the liberals did exactly what they needed to do. They put about enough fatigue within the electorate that people who maybe would have actually listened to a better message, and if you listen to the message that was coming from the Republican Party, and if you listen to what was going on at the time, they were actively predicting exactly what is happening now. But the people looked at the personalities. They looked at the president as to who he was, not what he was doing. The man had to basically struggle for three years through impeachment and BS. The mainstream media colluded with them. All right. We got rid of the Hunter Biden laptop. We've got Twitter that's now censoring people's uh, tweets. We have all of this major amount of suppression. And we have the election that we got. So when I hear people say, do you think that Joe Biden is the real president of the United States? Listen, whether I like it or not, he took the oath of office administered by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, I will submit to you he has fallen down on that duty going forward. 
But the oath of office was administered. The man is president. This is what this is. I think the red wave misses Wisconsin if we are so angry and we focus so much on the decertification platform and movement that we don't elect leaders who can't see past that. Because here's the problem. Whether you are Secretary of State, AG, Lieutenant Governor, Governor, whether you're running for local mayor, you have to be more than a one-trick pony. You can't be more than a four-minute message that says, well, this is what I believe on finances, okay? This is what I believe on taxes, right? But then a 90-minute message on how we're going to decertify. What happens when those folks get into office that everybody was so angry and you, you felt it at the polls, right? And you felt it when you voted, right? And we elected these guys in and then they can't do anything about the decertification. They can't decertify the election. They can't do all of that. And then what? Do you really have a plan for our taxes? Do you really have a plan for our infrastructure? Do you really have a plan for illegal immigration? Yes, Wisconsin needs a plan on illegal immigration. Why? Because the administration is literally putting plane loads and bus loads of people and sending them everywhere. Lest we forget, we had a bunch of unvetted Afghanistan uh, refugees that came across and were dumped in Wisconsin. Do we have a plan for efficiency with our tax dollars? Another thing that I think will really result in the red wave missing us is if we can't put out comprehensive tax change and comprehensive efficiency models. Meaning this, if you have a government or a state agency within this department and you're functioning with 100 people and only 80 can, can realistically do the job, cut bait 20 people figure it out and i know that sounds terrible i know that sounds heartless but listen we can make money and we can use money one of two ways we can tax you more and we just add to the bloat and wisconsin becomes less and less of a great place to live and work because the tax rate is so high nobody wants to come here I believe it was one of the candidates that it, that it threw out a statistic, and, and, and I, I think it holds pretty much true. If you look at the census and you look at the states that are growing, there seems to be a correlation between the fact that they have no taxes. Texas, Florida, Tennessee, some of the highest... Pablo, it's not because... Pablo is in my ear telling me it's because of barbecue and whiskey. Now, I could see that maybe in Tennessee and Texas. I don't know what the whiskey scene is like there. Pablo, please don't interrupt me. I'm ranting. So, but, but you look at that. What does it take to make Wisconsin attractive? What does it take to make us, Wisconsin an attractive place to live, to work, for businesses to bring their workforce here? You know, looking at the gig factory that uh, 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 Elon Musk put up in Texas, he put it up in Texas because California was a pain in the ass with so much red tape that they couldn't get it done in the time that they wanted. Realize this, Tesla was actually in uh, a, a very serious deals with a couple of suppliers for lithium batteries. And when those suppliers began to raise their prices, Elon said, nope, screw this, we'll do it ourselves. We need to have a plant so we can make our own batteries. It will decrease our costs and we'll be able to decrease the overall cost of our deal by doing that for production. And then what happened? 
Well, in California, you have to go through the EPA, the DHA, the MMJ, the 2J, the 45J, the 916. And the four. If you fill out the 4960 in triplicate, we're going to have 16 different people on 14 different committees look back. No! He came to Texas and Governor Abbott said, let's do this. They built that factory in record time and they're starting to work and people are working and they're moving there. Why? Because the cost of building a home is cheaper. They're doing those things. Why? Because there is no state income tax. Now, I submit to you, the money has to come from somewhere. And I liked some of the answers from the lieutenant governor candidates specifically because they talked about how a lower no tax rate does have to be buoyed by something else. The money does have to come from somewhere, right? So how do we keep property taxes low? Do we increase in sales tax? The sales tax increase doesn't hurt um, everybody. It only hurts the people who are going to spend, right? You have nothing to do if your, your, your personal taxes are income. That's just money that comes off the top. If you think to yourself, I'm going to spend this amount or I'm going to spend that amount, you effectively get to really choose how much taxes you're paying. I know in the state of Texas, they do several tax-free holidays. They do that uh, usually before school starts and you know you can buy clothes and there's a whole list of goods that you can buy tax free because the state does that. And so there are so many different things that can be done. A lot of the candidates talked about doing a uh, um, doing away temporarily with the state tax on fuel, right? These are the things that people are looking for. I feel as though if we keep going to the anger of the decertification and relitigating the 2020 election and we go to all of that, I think we are going to miss an opportunity. The opportunity stems from putting out real world things that people can do real world things that we can do to make life better not just in the political arena well well, we want to have our voice heard i get that but here's the thing and don't ever forget this laws can be written to strengthen your individual vote we can learn from what happened We can put those things into place, and I don't see that going on right now. I don't see voter ID laws. Maybe they're being written, but they're not being passed. I don't see absentee ballot reform. You know, one of the things that I was talking about with Jay Schrader, he's a candidate for Wisconsin uh, Secretary of State, was how we should have a simple this this well welcome to my ted talk my name is mike and i'm going to talk about purging the voter rolls and i'm not going to be talking about purging the voter rolls for anything else than people who have died listen when a death certificate gets issued it should probably be sent over to a couple of different government agencies and namely the ones on voter registration i am still concerned that my father-in-law literally the second greatest man i've ever known passed away december 2021 i miss him every single day i'm concerned he's going to be voting in the upcoming primaries and in 2024 and 2022 i'm concerned because there's no mechanism right now that allows for those roles to be cleaned why are we not doing that our trump won good lord why are we not outlawing the widespread use of absentee ballots. If you want an absentee ballot, you tell us that you want an absentee ballot. We ain't just gonna send them out. 
And there's so many things that we could be doing, talking about things like illegal immigration. One of the things that I will tell you this that really impressed me was the AG candidates that were up at the debate and listening to the candidates that had more prosecutorial experience versus the ones who don't. And I'm not saying anything mean or ugly about any candidate. I'm just saying this. If we're going to have a top cop, we should probably have a person who understands how to persecute and persecute. Come on, man. I'll give you a little Joe Biden there. Prosecute drug dealers, criminal defendants, how to to process and and take care of people who are racketeering, people who are, are conspiring to commit crimes and felonies in this state. But no, we're, we're going to go after hospitals and, and COVID deaths and all of that stuff. Listen, I get it. There was a lot of mistakes made, but are we going to use the this, this time, this place to go after doctors who were given medical advice by the CDC and incentivize for that? There are many ways it can be done, but that needs to be done at the congressional level. You know what we need here from the AG and the state of Wisconsin? We need to prosecute criminals. We need to work with DAs for low or no bond for violent offenders. We need minimum sentences for violent offenders. And if you happen to be illegal, we throw your ass back. You go home to wherever you were. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Well, Mike, that disproportionately... I don't care. I don't care if you're red, black, white, green, purple. If you commit a crime, you need to be punished. Now, another one of the things that I liked was talking about the ability to reform and give people the opportunity, right? As far as getting off of drugs. You know, nothing is worse than a parent seeing, you know, your child flounder, seeing your child be in prison, seeing your child your child struggle with that stuff. It is amazing to me that more money and resources aren't going to some of these different rehabilitation and drug centers, okay, where we can get people off the drugs that are coming in. Twofold way, right? We give them a better way. We hold them accountable. We make sure that they go to these programs that have been proven to treat people and to decrease drug usage. Not only do we do that, but we prosecute. We prosecute, we prosecute. We get the distributors. We get the networks. We get this crap off of our streets. We send our National Guard folks back to the border. It's one of the first things that Governor Evers did in the state of Wisconsin was he withdrew the Wisconsin National Guard, brought them all home from the border. Listen, what goes on down there affects us up here. But I think the red wave has the opportunity of missing us unless we can collectively take our heads out of our butts and, and and realistically look at these candidates. Well, I like this guy because he's God-fearing and blah, blah. Okay. Does he have a plan? Does he have a plan for every person in Wisconsin? Not just your little pet project that you think about. Not just what you've been told, but something that is going to help everybody in the state. A few of the candidates said it, and I believed it, and I really enjoyed it. Hey, I'm not always going to do what you want me to do. I need to follow the law, and I need to follow what the majority of the people are telling me to do. I will never BS you. I will always tell you the truth, even though it may not be the truth you want to hear. That, to me, is powerful. That, to me, says that at the end of the day... 
there's going to be some rubbing. There's going to be some... I know rubbing's racing. Thank you, Pablito. Dude, come on, man. Rubbing's racing. That's life. And we have got to be able to work together on the right, specifically, to run the score up so that we can win. When we win, this is what we do. We shed the light on the leftist lies and we cause them to abandon them. Because if they can't win elections based on their lies, they can't win elections based on their positions, what they're generally going to do is they're going to begin to meander a little bit over and they're not going to be so extreme. And suddenly we're not listening to uh, Rashid Tlaib. We're not listening to AOC. We're not listening to folks like that. Folks, I'm going to tell you this. The Democrat Party that was around when your your fathers and your grandfathers were, were working and was a part of you know the, the infrastructure and the American working man and all of that, they are are not that party anymore they want to kill babies they they relish in the ability to kill babies and they call it a choice they relish in the fact that that you you know cannot get the ability to have free speech because we need to moderate it i listened to obama talk about the moderation of free speech listen i will make this bold statement you either have free speech or you do not I will fight for folks like BLM to say the stupid things that they say because I know for a fact if we go after them, at some point someone's going to come after me. Freedom of speech doesn't mean there isn't freedom of consequences. Say something stupid, you're you're going to get an you're going to have issues. But here's the problem. When you start moderating speech, who are we moderating it with? And this is something that I did not really hear anything about the the candidates that I spoke to. Nobody was really talking about free speech or freedom of expression. We got a very, very little bit on CRT and, and what we're teaching in schools. That was a very little bit. If I had to break it down over the, the events that I did, I would say roughly 80% of the stump speech vitriol, you know, get the crowd roused and get them, oh yeah, I believe that, I like that guy. He looks good in a suit and I like him. If, if, if I had to say 80% of that was decertified, 80% of that is let's set what was right, what happened in 2020, two years later. I would say roughly 10% was COVID and COVID mandates and vaccine mandates and things of that nature. And, and really, we can kind of file all of that under the government outreach uh, umbrella, right? That that was the big thing. The government outreach umbrella we're, we're, we're talking about there. When we talk about mass mandates, we talk about closing down. Well, I didn't let my community close down or, or whatever the case may be. I get it, okay? And then that last 10% was something about schools and something about CRT and how, you know, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, CRT doesn't come here and and that, that children are taught good things. And, and I get it. I understand that. But it was really two things that, that really uh, that really got to me. And two things that, that really, and, and when we talk about the red wave missing Wisconsin, was number one, who wasn't there? When we talk about the debate that we did, I want you to take a long, hard look at your candidates, your preferred candidates that you bought T-shirts for, that you hosted events for, and you did all of that. I want you to take a long, hard look and ask yourself, why was my candidate, my preferred candidate, not there? Because here's the deal. All of them were invited. 
Every single one of them were invited. But only four showed up. And I will tell you this, at the end of the day, for my money, one of those four will get my vote during the primary. I will not vote for the other ones. So who was there? That was a big thing, right? And then really, what, what, what was their message? What were they talking about? I did not hear a lot of stuff. Even just working the room and talking to the different candidates, I didn't hear a lot about inflationary means that they're going to look at. I didn't hear a lot about tax structure and efficiency. I didn't hear a lot about, now I did hear a lot about um, uh, abolishing the WEC and, and I think that's the great idea, right? But it always falls under that decertification uh, argument, right? So I, I did hear that, I think that's a great thing and mostly everybody is on the same page about that. But I didn't hear anything about criminal justice reform. I didn't hear anything about how we are letting out low or no bond offenders and they're, and they're continuing to offend. I didn't hear anything about violent crime and what we're doing to support our law enforcement. I heard very little about things like that. I heard very, very little about how we're going to fund some of the things that we need to fund in order to fix our bridges, in order to build roads, in order to make sure that our hospitals are ready in case. And and folks, it's coming. I'm sorry. This is the thing that I think nobody really wants to talk about because we have been burned so much in the past because of the lockdowns and the issues issues but wanting to talk about the next pandemic because you bet your sweet bupkis it's coming whether it is a variant right of the COVID-19 uh, strain whether it's something that comes from a biological laboratory like we believe it came from the China lab right or whether it's something that's naturally occurring that happens we're going to have another pandemic we're going to have high rates of illness. The big thing that I'm not hearing is, what about the investment in our infrastructure and our hospitals? Pfizer, Moderna, all these, they made a bunch of money on those jabs, man. Where in the hell is that money going? Because I'll tell you what, they ain't building onto my local hospital. The ER seems to be as big as it was before as it is now. So what are we going to do flat-footed the next time we start to see another spike? Are we going to be able to get the types of medications that we need? And will medical freedom be something that we champion here in Wisconsin? Heard a little bit about that, but I didn't hear anything about the basic infrastructure of hospitals, hospital systems, how to educate them, and how to let these hospital systems make decisions based on locally what's going on versus what the CDC is saying as a blanket for the entire country. Rural medicine, much different from urban medicine. The people are mostly the same, but the access is is greatly diminished, especially when you're in a rural area. I didn't hear a lot of those things, and I wanted to hear that. I desperately want to hear that. And what I'm hoping is this. Here's here's what I'm hoping, and 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 really, I hope that um, I hope that this message doesn't fall on deaf ears, and I hope it doesn't fall on red ears. This is the thing, when people hear some of the things that I'm gonna say, they're instantly gonna get mad. Reference back 15 or 20 minutes ago when I talked about what anger does. Anger clouds your judgment. Anger doesn't let you see things as though they are. You see it through a haze. You see it through a, uh, through a cloud. What can we do to ensure that the red wave doesn't miss Wisconsin? Keen observations, and then we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Number one, we've got to increase the tent. I looked around 
and I'm not being ugly and I'm certainly not being rude. There were more people on walkers with canes at these events than anything else. Greatest generation, I'm very, very pleased. I'm very, very thankful. I'm thankful that you'll come to visit these events. I'm thankful that you will come and you will do these things. I'm thankful that you will take the time to listen. But here's what we need, guys. We need some 20s and 30s, and we need some 40s and 50s. We got the 60-plus demographic all locked up. We have got to increase our tent size. We've got to get more people excited about the messages that are coming out and the policies that are going to create and help us with freedom. That's from an age standpoint. Number two, the thing that I I missed, any sort of ethnic diversity. Now, I'm not one of those people who wants diversity for diversity's sake, but our message resounds with Hispanics. Where are the Hispanics? Where are the black folk? Because I'll tell you what, black folk are starting to get real tired of the Democrat Party. Real tired. Because the Democrat Party rings the bell every four years and everybody comes and votes and then they don't do shit for them. Can I say that? Pablito shaking his head. They don't. They do nothing. Just look at the cities where crime is horrible. Look at black-on-black violence and how many black folks are being killed. BLM ain't saying nothing about that. Democrat Party ain't saying nothing about that. But every four years, they're going to ring the bell. You don't vote for me. You ain't black, man. Corn pop. Come on. We have got to become a more ethnically diverse party because that's what our country has become. It is no longer the male, white, 35-year-old voter that you're going after. And let me tell you this. When it comes to things like social issues, I think conservatives can lead the way on this. Why? Because we don't care. And what I mean by is this. Listen, you can be gay, you can be straight, you can be trans, you can have sex with furniture. I don't care about that. At the end of the day, that's your business. Don't teach our kids. Live your life. Pay your taxes. Do your things. Don't force your beliefs on us. And we will be just fine. But no, everybody thinks that the the Republican Party and conservatives specifically are racist and xenophobic and all that different stuff. I don't care. Chase, you're part of the American dream. Get your job, go to school, or don't. But here's the thing. Be a productive member of society. Don't drain our public tax system with your nonsense. Don't teach our children what your professional or your, your personal lifestyle is. Because that's not something we want taught to our children. You know, the educational thing, and I'll get back to this in a second. The educational thing with the CRT was a great time and a great opportunity to talk about how our kids can't read. And our kids aren't doing math. And our kids are not excelling at science. I didn't hear any of the candidates even once reference that. Now, I didn't really expect the AG candidates because they're more law and order, top cop. Like, I get that, right? But really, how are how in each position, this needs to be the question, how in each position are you going to make sure that our children are ready to compete for jobs this century? Instead of getting degrees in underwater basket weaving, running up $100,000 worth of debt, and the government just saying, oh, we'll pay that off, no problem. I would say this, we need to be more ethnically diverse. We need to bring more people in, especially younger people. We need to start talking about the issues that value 
to that add value to people and that's those are the issues right there the red wave misses us when we have the anger and vitriol that I've seen very prevalent out there, that I've seen online, that I've seen on so many different forums, that I've experienced in person. Guys, if you're going to run this into the ground, you're going to be very, very upset when you wake up in the middle of November and nothing has changed, the Dems are laughing, and we look like a bunch of idiots. How do we avoid the red wave missing Wisconsin? We stick to the issues. We stick to what matters in America right now. And what matters in America right now is their food shortages. And the food that is there is incredibly expensive. Getting to work now costs you two to three times more. Your children can't read and write at the appropriate grade level because the schools are absolutely failing them. Crime is at an all-time high because we keep letting people into our country. And then when we let people into our country and they commit crimes, we don't send them back. Or when people who are here, born and raised here, commit crimes, we give them low or no bond and they go out and they commit crimes again. How can we feel safe in our communities when the current party that has said defund, defund, defund is now talking about being pro-cop? No, you, you are not, you are lying. There's no way in hell you're pro-cop because just two years ago when it was convenient, when St. George Floyd was killed, you wanted to just completely abolish the system. The red wave misses us if we buy into all of this anger, all of this vitriol, all of this noise, and we simply refuse to do the best thing that we can do, which is run on the issues, mop the floor with the left, and in their own way, when we mop the floor with the left, when we completely destroy their little kingdoms, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. And I believe that it will bring them a little more to the right. Then we can start having the appropriate discourse. Then we can start talking about things that make sense. Then we can start talking about how to move forward collectively. Way too divided right now. The biggest thing that will divide us will be that anger. So I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to see how this turns out. Because here's the deal. If cooler heads will prevail, if we can get out of this rat race two years, let's keep looking back and not looking forward, we're going to be super successful. I just want to thank you guys for listening today. I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to the podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for all of the support that we've got. I've been able to meet a lot of you and talk to a lot of you. And I am so thankful that you listen. Listen, if you will look at my website, mikegrahita.com, www.mikegrahita.com, you'll see all the different things, all of my policies, dances, all the things that I think about. And uh, we're actually going to put a calendar up there uh, for different things that I'm going to be at and, and different uh, events I'm going to host. I love to come out and meet people. I love to use my my radio voice whenever I'm doing an MC event or something fun like that. And, and I, I really want to come. I want to be a part of your event. I want to enjoy that with you because I like meeting people. That really just... It really, uh, it really does a great number for my heart when I can meet good, hardworking, patriotic Americans that love God, that love their country, and they just want to see change. Uh, so please make sure you go over to the website. Now, we are still hosting the event for Joan Beglinger. Uh, that is on May the 12th. That is at Mallory's. And, and I, I'll challenge you this, okay? Here's the thing. You have done a lot worse things 
for a lot more time with a lot less of a return. And, and when I say that, I say this, you may not vote for Joan. That's not, that's not why we're doing this, okay? Um, we're not doing this so that you can vote for Joan and everybody will approve her. No, what I'm, what I'm, why I'm doing this is because I am all about education. There is another candidate that has a message, and if I believe in that message, meaning it's more of a right conservative message, heck yeah, I'm gonna host them. Heck yeah, I wanna bring on more lieutenant governor candidates, more AG candidates, I wanna talk to gov gubernatorial candidates. I wanna do that and give those folks a platform, but you know what, some people don't, and I think that's really, really sad. I enjoy Joan, I like talking to her, and I think she has a lot of things to say that are very, very good. Come out and enjoy it. Come out, come to Mallory's. We'll have some appetizers. We'll have some drinks. Y'all who are whiskey drinkers, come out and drink some whiskey with me and let's talk and let's really uh, uh, peel into this. And at the end of the day, if it's like, no, this is just, this, I'm, I'm not down with the message. That's fine. But at least you've had that exposure. At least you've had that ability. And at least you were given that opportunity to make good, well-rounded, ed informed educational decisions. So that's May 12th. That's Mallory's. It's going to be downtown Hudson. Uh, it'll be from 6 to roughly 9 p.m. We're going to have a really good time. So. Uh, in, in closing, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. I really enjoy it. Until next time, keep being the change you want to see. Keep making the difference that we want to see. Tone down the anger. Let's get to the issues. And let's see that red wave just sweep across this state. Sweep righteousness into office. And TCB, take care of business. Thank you very much, everybody.